Halloween is just around the corner. In honor of holidays, ghosts, and ghouls, the jackalopes are taking a look at the origins of vampires. You're listening to Jackalopes Explore. This episode of Jackalopes Explore is brought to you by Sheridan Stationery Books and Gifts, located at 535 North Main Street in Sheridan. Stop by today to peruse books, stationery, gifts, sports cards, and more. Or visit us at SheridanStationeryBooks.com. I'm Floyd Whiting. I'm Aaron Linden. I'm Steve Sisson. And I'm Emmy Whiting, and I can't feel my feet. <laughs> <laughs> and we're your jackalopes. Uh, with Halloween, we already covered ghosts and ghouls last week. Uh, Emmy was gone. She couldn't make it last week. but uh, had, her, this... had her foot removed. She yeah. did. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. why she can't feel it. Yeah. Yeah. The hopping has ended. <laughs> but this week, we decided to go ahead and take a good look at vampires, everyone's favorite uh, monster type in the United States for some reason. Something huge and cultural about vampires. I've always wondered what the romance is. Because they're sexy. They, well, no. well, only <laughs> recently. Yeah, I mean, not only. originally. Yeah. Only recently yeah. are they up, like I grew up with shiny. sexy vampires. <laughs> well, and Like George Hamilton? I, <laughs> who is George Hamilton? <laughs> I, w- I would argue. Nosferatu, thank you. Mm, yeah, okay. yeah. See, that... that <laughs> The sexiness of vampires didn't start with uh, the Twilight series. In fact, I would argue that they started probably even like in the original Dracula because there's something, you know, romantic about the love story that was mm-hmm. really about that. And so in a way, you can kind of look at this as at vampires as like the supernatural romance novel. You know, where, yes, he's sucking your blood and, and he's consuming you, but at the same time, they have a spell that they can put you under where you're infatuated with them, right? And Rice would let her take this idea and kind of run with it because her vampires were sexy. Mm-hmm. Like, that was the the whole selling point. They they retain their youth through age. And, and maybe that's got something to do with it as well, the agelessness of these mm-hmm beings being able to drift around and it all kind of began um in the middle ages uh even though you know when it comes to them in the media really started with bram stoker's dracula which i'll talk about the individual that a lot of people say it's based off of i mean it's hard to sit there he was not sexy no (laughs) No, No. blondie impaler was not sexy no um you wouldn't have told him that, though. No, 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 no you would not have. But, uh, I mean, if we really look at, uh, like, where does it stem from? I mean, I've got information on Vlad the Impaler, but, Emmy, you did some homework uh, about, like, where did they really come from in history itself? How far back do these things go? So I forgot all my notes, so we're winging it. Um, there wasn't actually, like, a specific date I could nail down. There was, like, a date of when the popularity around the world Started, but everyone had like their own vampire myths, you know, in different cultures and everything. And I think it was in the 1700s. Again, forgot my notes. Can't, <laughs> can't give you an exact date. It is what it is. But it gained popularity around there. And um, one of the things I wanted to talk about was like, why? Why did people think vampires were like a real thing? Yeah. And um, there is, you know, cons- a lot of people are dying of consumption. What do you do when that happens? You cough up blood. Mm. And people would have dry blood 
around their mouth when they were dead, and people were like, oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. They're sucking blood. Yeah. I don't, I don't stick, know how. Stick a stake in their heart, <laughs> yes. because otherwise they're coming back. I don't yeah. understand how the jump from, like, oh, there's dry blood on their mouth to they're eating us. <laughs> what else could it possibly be? be? Yes, <laughs> but that was one of the things. Another thing was people thought hair and nails still, like, would grow mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. people we're dead. Yep, yep. But the fact of the matter is the skin is just receding, so it can make it look as if the hair has grown. And the but, nails get longer. Yes, you know? but really your skin's just receding, so it makes well, it and I mean, like, longer. For the time, it's not like men ran around worrying about the length of their nails either, <laughs> right? So yeah. I, uh, hygiene was secondary. Back in the medieval days, if even yeah, on the list, yeah, yeah, you were more worried about getting them turnips in, you know. <clears throat> so, I could see already having long nails anyway. And well, and I think you know, you'd notice if your loved one that you stared at dead for a long time, you yeah, know, upset, mourning, all that, you'd notice if their nails look longer. Yeah, yeah. So you know, if a loved one was like, oh, their nails grew, mm. let's put a stake in it. <laughs> well, to be safe. And in a lot of cultures, you held a wake because yeah. sometimes you don't want to bury someone who's not dead, right? Like, well, you don't want to do that anytime, but sometimes it would happen. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's traditions that uh, there's bell systems that mm-hmm. were linked up. So Where that the if, term dead ringer came from. Yeah. yeah. So that if you yeah. woke up in... Your casket buried alive. You could ring the bell. Isn't and someone that where could like graveyard graveyard shift comes from too? Because they'd have someone around the graveyard, yeah, just in case the, the bell yeah. went off. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and uh, you know, so sometimes if if weird, odd things started happening around the village, well, this is obviously a vampire, so yeah, let's go dig up the the most recent person that died, and then, like you said, the nails look odd. There's there's blood and other bodily fluids that escape through orifices as we rot. And because, you know, decomposition causes gas, which pushes, pushes everything out. So when you open this casket to a body that hasn't been prepared by a coroner like they are now, everything's kind of falling apart inside and it's coming out. So there you go. You got blood all over the face. The nails are longer. The hair's longer. This guy was obviously a vampire. Clearly, he's coming out of his coffin. Obviously. Yeah. And sucking blood. Yeah. Because that's what they do. Mm-hmm. And so, <clears throat> you know, like, like I said, now we just got to figure out a way to make sure that they stay dead. Another thing that was linked to it that I, in my research was rabies. When people had rabies. Really? They, you know, obviously their behavior would change, but also their sleeping habits would change. And oh. people linked, you know, the night stuff. Yeah, because they don't know what rabies is. They're like, oh, that's a vampire. <laughs> yeah, something's happening. Yes. You got bit by this. Yes. And now, well, and maybe that's where the idea of the bat came from. The you vampire know, bat. Because right. bats carry a right. lot of rabies. rabies man. Yes. And I saw Joe, he went over there, he got bit by a bat, and he hasn't been the same since. Nosferatu. Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, you know, I'm pretty sure, like, at the time, and this is something that we talk about quite regularly, science isn't at the point where it can explain this natural phenomenon. Mm -hmm. Let's go ahead and fill in those gaps with craziness and and other stuff. Yeah. Next thing we knew, we have a vampire. Mm -hmm. So did you happen to find where in the world 
they kind of originally came from? Or does every culture really kind of have something having to do with like vampire-esque type behavior? So I wish I had my notes, but um, it seemed like it did originate in a certain region. Do I remember that region? No. But around Romania. Romania. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's at least the popular Mm -hmm. thought process behind it is it was Romania. Yeah, kind of that that area. Yeah. Was from? That, in fact, is where Vlad originally from. Um, Anything else you'd like to add to that? No? We're good? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, Vlad the Impaler, in full, Vlad the Third Dracula, or Romanian Vlad the Third Draco, was also Vlad the uh, Third, a Romanian Vlad Tepes. He was born in 1431. Hey, give us one more name. Uh, well you know royalty back then you had a lot yeah the the more the better really yeah yeah yeah. so that's why you had you literally paid someone to go before you and call out all of your titles Mm -hmm. before you showed up half an hour later yeah Yeah. and then you yeah you're still getting ready in the back go announce me but he was born in 1431 and he lived until 1476 he was the second of four brothers Born into the noble flat family of Vlad II Dracul. Dracula, meaning son of Dracul, was derived from the Latin word Draco, or dragon. Uh, this was due to his father's induction into the Order of the Dragon, which was actually created by the Pope at the time to uh, fight the Ottoman Empire that was moving its way up from the Middle East into Europe. Uh, so... Big wars going on. You've got the Crusades that are that uh, happened, and the Muslim world is coming into the Christian world, and a lot of it's meeting around and constant back and forth in Constantinople. That was really kind of the cross there, where the two worlds met. In that area, um, you've got well, uh, well, it, this is going to be. I'm going to mispronounce some names, folks, because I'm not Romanian. Uh, but I'll, don't, I, don't comment. I, I, I have done my best to try and find the proper pronunciations of this. Uh, Vlad moved to his country of Valasia in 1436 when his father assumed leadership of the province. Uh, they don't have kings there. They had princes. So his father became a prince of Valasia. And in 1442, Vlad and his younger brother were actually sent to the court of the Ottoman Sultan, uh, Murad II, as collateral to assure the Sultan that their father, in a reversal, would not infringe upon his area. This was a common practice. I know it sounds crazy, but it was actually a common practice where if you and I were enemies or our countries bordered each other, I would give you a portion of my family to guarantee that I'm not going to invade your country. You would send a portion of your family to mine, so I have a guarantee as well. But I do want people to understand something. When you're used as collateral in this way, you're a prisoner, yes, but the sultan took charge of their education. The sultan took charge because you have obligations. This is royalty. Um, So you have to teach these individuals. So I want you to bear in mind that Vlad 
bore witness for years, a number of years, to the way that the Ottoman Empire worked, functioned, the way that the, the other religion worked and functioned. He knew these, this culture. He knew their battle tactics. Just he a knew. quick side note. Do you think the Ottoman Empire, someone's named a furniture store that? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> because I would love that. Anyway. If not, they should. The Ottoman yeah. Empire, yeah. So I thought uh, it was funny. Was just <laughs> there wasn't enough Ottomans. laughter in this yeah. room. Uh, now, Vlad returned in 1448, having been informed of the assassination of his brother and his elder brothers, uh, his elder brother at the hands of the Volosian nobles the year before. Uh, his father was ousted as a ruler by the uh, boyars. Um, it's it's basically their word for warlord, noble. Think barons, you know, things like that. His father was actually killed in the swamps, um, and his older brother was tortured, blinded. And then buried alive. So it wasn't a nice way. No. <laughs> uh, it's often speculated that this was the cause that Vlad took this pretty personal and said, "You know what? I'm I'm kind of over it," and and began a level of cruelty towards his fellow man that has, you know, has rarely been seen. Yes, it's been seen again, but very rarely. Um, in 1453, the city of Constantinople fell to the Ottomans, which threatened uh, the invasion of the Ottoman Empire into Europe. And so because of that, Vlad was then charged with leading a force to fight the Ottomans. So you've got to bear in mind that uh, even though the Rome at the time, which was essentially in charge of all Europe, uh, They've got the infringement of, you know, another religion upon their land. And back then that just didn't happen. So even though we all know that Vlad is cruel and a killer, we need him right now. So they basically, he got the blessing from Rome. You're in charge. And he went back. Uh, and so this is where the legends really come in, okay? He wanted the boyers to feel the misery of what they did to his family. So he held a dinner. And legend has it that while he was holding this dinner, his men were outside getting the pikes ready. <laughs> now, <gasps> who has room for dessert? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. I'm so, stuffed. <laughs> he, also, he also knew, but I mean, like, if you, even if it's, even if we put the vengeance aside, this is a rough time to be a leader. And Vlad understood, I've got to consolidate power. I'm a new kid in the neighborhood. I've been hanging out with the Ottomans, these people's enemies, for a long time. They've already tortured and killed my brother. They murdered my father. I need a display of power, a vulgar display of power. So, <laughs> 
Vlad invited hundreds, <laughs> the giggle. hundreds of them. Sorry, look, man, this is a great vengeance story. Yeah, yeah, if yeah. anything, this is like, a great vengeance the story. The best ever. Yeah, yeah, for sure. To consolidate his power, Vlad invited hundreds of them to a banquet, knowing that his authority was actually going to be challenged. He and his guests uh, dined, had a great time, and then he had them stabbed, taken outside in their weakened state, and impaled. Now, what is impaling? Impaling is uh, particularly gruesome. Uh, It's a form of torture and death. And there's a couple different ways that you can get this thing done, and I'm not going to go into it too detailed. <laughs> but you had a lot of fun researching uh, this. Sure. I can see it in your eye. <laughs> so uh, what they do is they take, and and I'm gonna I'm gonna use how they did it. Uh, it's usually made of wood. You take a pike and you sharpen it, and you can either do it. You can take the body and put it this way and, and impale them, but that just doesn't last as long as we want. So instead, we take the body. This way. Mm. I'm and sorry, we... you're gonna have to do descriptions for people that are listening. <laughs> yeah, okay. well, right. well, uh, yeah, that's true. We essentially take a pike that is about 10 to 25 feet high, and you sit someone on the point of that pike, and you let gravity do the rest. Now, one thing that I didn't know in my research was because I thought you really sharpen these things up, right? No, you don't, because you don't want it passing through the body yeah. too quickly. No, you don't want it. You no. want to. You want to oh, savor Ugh. this. So it's Ugh. actually quite blunt. Yes, there's a point, but it's blunt because you don't want to pierce the organs. If the organs are pierced, the person dies within a matter of hours. If you leave it blunt, gravity will do its job, and this thing will work its way through their body over the course of days. He did this, and it was Vlad the Impaler's favorite form of torture. He did this thousands of times. Thus the name, Vlad the Impaler. I'm not really wanting to go to his house. No. You know, uh, I'm not going not, over to dinner. Yeah. No, and, absolutely and here's not. The thing. I don't care how good the food is. <laughs> you know, it, I've, I've done a lot of research on this individual because I wrote a paper on evil, right? And I want people to understand that uh, years ago when I wrote this paper, I discovered that it depends on who you talk to as to whether this man was evil. Mm. Okay. Now, were his forms of torture evil? Absolutely. Absolutely. They were animalistic. I mean, beyond animalistic. He is celebrated as a hero in Romania to this day. Because he kept the Ottomans out of Europe. He saved, quite possibly, saved the Christian world more than once. He Which, o- again, and I, I hate to just interject, but it's kind of what we do. <laughs> but the Pope is like, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, but see. In the name of Christianity. <laughs> I know. You but know, and you're just like. You've got to realize, though, at the same time, the Pope wasn't aware well, sure. Of like everything that he was doing, he was, right? Yeah, yeah, but going. like word had to trickle back that like he actually sent a letter to one of his allies one day. Ooh, during uh, one of the many many battles that Vlad fought in. Let me see if I can find it. 
During one of his many successful campaigns against the Ottoman, Vlad wrote to a military ally in 1462, quote, I have killed peasants, men and women, old and young. We killed 23,884 Turks without counting those we burned in homes or the Turks whose heads were cut by our soldiers. Thus, your highness, you must know that I have broken the peace. Mm. He also worked on a scorched earth policy, meaning that if you were going to invade his country, he killed every animal, poisoned every well, and burnt the fields of his own country so your army had nothing to march on. Militarily, it's a good policy, especially back then. An army marches on its stomach. You've got 20, 35,000 individuals that you've got to keep fed. And people were being overthrown all the time. And hunger makes people do stupid things. So make them starve. And when I get you to march into my country, uh, I need to control that somehow. And he didn't have the advantage of, say, like a, a really harsh winter like Russia has multiple times. So he would just burn the countryside. You have nothing that you're taking from me. And he would move his people back. He was brutal, extremely brutal. Um, and, and I've got a lot of information here, but I'm just going to hit the high notes. At one point, the Ottoman Sultan sent emissaries to basically talk this guy down. Uh, in that world, you do not remove your headgear, right? It's just the way that the Ottomans are as part of their belief system. Well, he understood that. I mean, God, he'd been their prisoner for how long? So when he had these emissaries show up, and there's more to this story that you can look up. He noticed that they, they didn't remove their headgear. Well, you're not in your country. You're in mine. And he said, remove it. And they said, no, it's just not what, they, what we do. And he said, that's just fine. Wear it for life. And he nailed them to their heads and sent them home. There's a message. Yeah. <clears throat> now, there's another story uh, that I couldn't, I couldn't find to confirm, but I read in a book years and years ago that one individual actually ended up getting a fortune from him because the guy walked in and basically said, hey, man, I am at your mercy. You are in control. I am nothing more than an emissary. I'm not here to threaten you. I'm just giving you what my sultan gave to me to give to you. Please don't kill me. Gave, and, and according to legend, gave that guy like a chest full of gold and said, here you go, go be free. Instead of serving other people, you seem like a respectful guy. Head on out. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, crazy, So right? he had some level of compassion. He did. For all of the and he was brutality. Actually, <laughs> yeah, he was actually married a couple times, too. Uh, one woman... <laughs> I'm not going to be married. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. you know what? Dinner parties were uh, <laughs> yeah, held organized. Much. Yeah. Now, um, you know, in Bram Stoker uh, is, I, I think actually you can look up and find that Bram actually went to uh, Romania, Transylvania, Valsia, mm -hmm. uh, all the same area, and learned about this individual and decided to write the novel. Now... I can't remember if it's in the novel or not, but his wife, right, getting that arrow through the window while yes. he's gone at a campaign causes her to throw herself out the window. That's not what historians have found. What historians have found is that his first wife's name may have been lost to 
history. They're not totally sure who she was. But the Ottomans, when he was away on a campaign, the Ottomans were approaching, or at least one of his enemies were. Maybe it wasn't the Ottomans, but one of his enemies were was approaching the palace. And she is said to have known that they were coming. And uh, when, when they basically came to her and said, hey, you know, you're just going to be taken prisoner. Don't worry about it. She said, not me. And... I'm trying to find There we go. Okay, so legend claimed that she said to her person that she would rather have her body rot and be eaten by the fish of the Argus than be led into captivity by the Turks, and she threw herself out of a window so that she couldn't be taken prisoner. First off, yeah. <laughs> way to go, wife. Right? right. Like, <laughs> not today. Uh, but uh, uh, he did remarry after that. And uh, uh, supposedly, also according to legend, reluctantly, the women were like, oh, okay. Well, yeah, I'll what are you going to do? Yeah. You're going to tell Vlad no? Yeah, right? <laughs> Look outside. Well, <laughs> think, think about it. Now, like, you know, royalty, it's slim pickings, man, mm-hmm. back yeah. in the day. Yeah. I, got, I got five kids and four of them are girls. I got to get them married off somewhere. And if you're a landowner, you get one. Right. I right. mean, uh, you're not going to allow your your daughter who grew up in opulence to suddenly become a peasant. It's got to be a landowner. And so that's pretty much why his next wives came along. Um, Vlad himself, the legends that are attached to him are pretty extensive. There's the sultan uh, sending the emissaries and the nails. Uh, there's another one. Uh, you're that talk about my favorite one. The, the rats. Oh, yeah, okay, so he was, (laughs) the Christian world got wind of what he was doing, and they're like, well, that's not very Christian of you. Uh, Although we do need you, we're going to put you in prison for a while. And so I think it was actually one of the other princes uh, who had more power and the authority of Rome put Vlad in jail, and he had a tower of his own, and he was treated well because, again, you're royalty. But... According to legend, Vlad made one request. Bring me pikes. Little tiny pikes. And the guards hated going to his room because it smelt of death. Because Vlad would capture pigeons and rats and would impale them on his window seal. So that he didn't lose his touch. So he just kind of has this fetish for pikes and impaling. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like, if you're an impaler, like, that's what you do. Yeah, I mean, even right? if you're in prison, you still have well, to do it's, it. Well, it's your title, so yeah. you've got to stick yeah. with it. you just got to <laughs> yeah. impale things. Yeah, even yeah it's in prison. been established. He actually yeah. hates it. He's just like, i got to keep up the image. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> at, at one point, uh, he had actually had a, a, a successful campaign and taken a lot of prisoners, but it didn't stop the onslaught of the Ottomans, and they were coming, and he knew it kind of backed up against a wall. Vlad wasn't sure what he was going to do because he knew he couldn't fight his way out of this. So he thought, terror. So he took thousands. Um, and, and this is like you know, some number. One website will say this number. Another website will say that number. So I'm going to tell you what I remember from the book. And it's close to, um, uh, I think it was 20,000 soldiers. And he, uh, of, of his enemy, prisoners of his, and he impaled them all and made a forest, and it was called the Forest of the Dead. Now, legend says that when 
the Ottomans approached the city and came up over the hill, that uh, the sultan stood on the peak and said, what can one do against such a man? I want you to imagine the smell. That, I'm not going in there. That, that thing, I don't right? care who. Think I'm about not that. serving at yeah. the time. You took, I don't like, want to eh, imagine that. Nope. Think about it. You took the time to do this to close to 20,000 people. Imagine what the ground looked like if there was mud from blood. Mm. Another, it was a good time to be like in the pike industry, though. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, like the, the pike, pike seller is a million. <laughs> yeah, he's, just, he's like hanging out, like, what am I going to do with these pikes? And then this guy comes along and it's like, wow. Got it. I'm set. Got it. No more walls for me. <laughs> I know what I'm making. So, uh, and of course, you know, there's other legends linked to him, like when the boyers were being piked and uh, he wanted to show them his power so uh one legend states that he had a table set in the middle of the the piked boyers where he took his goblet and would go around and gather their blood from the pikes into this goblet and he would sit at his table and he would dip his bread in the blood and eat it now uh, so no, that's where the blood eating comes that, from this is where the dracula part okay. comes from okay but at the same time, that cannot be confirmed, okay? Mm-hmm. And this is medieval Europe. You hear- I don't know that I would put it past him, though. I mean, with mm-hmm. all the other stories, mm-hmm. you kind of go, yeah, totally yeah. get that. You know, if someone's able to do something like that and then, like, just walk around it, you know, and, and uh, that's a lot of burning revenge. Just to stroll hatred. through mm-hmm. the forest. Yeah, just yeah. to stroll through your pike forest, yeah. taking their blood and eating it. You know, but at the same time, the Catholic Church in Rome was trying to vilify him at one time and wanted these people who were basically like, woo, he's protecting the Christian world. They were like, this guy's a monster, and we can't, can't back this, you know? So what the hell? But although they did, and I think, right. and this is just me, okay? This isn't anything that I found, but I think the Christian world was very well aware of what was going on. But they knew that were they brutal, were they horrendous, were they absolutely inhuman? Yes. But were his tactics working? Right. Yeah. Exactly. They were. we're just gonna turn a little bit of a blind eye to all the impaling. He was and a monster. Let you go. But he was Rome's monster. He was getting the job. He man. was getting the job. Yeah. He was protecting the Christian world right at their doorway. So I think more than likely they were probably supporting him a lot more than what they want because during that imprisonment that we talked about where the other prince took him prisoner, they released him when the Ottomans went on the march again. Mm. They they had him, but then they were like, well, what are we going to do? Let him go. Right. Let him go and let him have at it, and they did. Now... Uh, In 1476, while marching to yet another battle with the Ottomans, Vlad and a small vanguard of his soldiers were ambushed, and Vlad was killed and beheaded. By most reports, his head was delivered to uh, Muhammad II in Constantinople as a trophy to be displayed above the city gates. And that was the death of Vlad the Impaler, Vlad Dracul. Bram Stoker gets a hold of this legend, ties in a little supernaturalness with everything, and all of a sudden Dracula is born. 
And I, you know, you you research Bram Stoker, and his novel wasn't huge, guys. Right. And Bram died poor. <clears throat> he, he this thing didn't make him a lot of money, and it wasn't until much later that like Dracula and all this stuff really took off. But uh, he created something. He created a character that lasts the test of time. As long as mankind walks around on this earth, we will talk about vampires and the birth of vampires and almost every single legend comes from one guy. (laughs) And that's Dracula. Mm -hmm. And Vlad the Impaler was certainly the real world's Dracula. Wow. Scary. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, as we look through what modern media did do to the vampire. Aaron, what did you find? So on the commercialization of vampires, of course, yeah, everything kind of stems from the Vlad the Impaler stories from Transylvania, Romania, you know, and that's always kind of where it had legendarily come from to today, George Hamilton, who I'm surprised you don't know. Who is that? He's almost orange in color because he's so tan. (laughs) And he did a, he was like kind of this heartthrobby actor at the time. And he did a, interesting movie called love at first bite to buffy the vampire slayer you know i mean everybody's watched that okay i have seen buffy the vampire blackula was <laughs> oh, blackula was awesome <laughs> yeah. great movie it is super great movie to then of course twilight right mm. the shiny vampires that run around in the woods really fast like this mm. <laughs> and that actually that series between just the movies this isn't books this is just the movies $3.4 billion. Wow. Wow. That's wow. how much people like their vampires. And then you, of course, sex them up a little bit and make it this romance of, yes, I'm consuming you, but we're consuming each other in love. <laughs> um, and people eat that crap up. <laughs> 2.5 million people annually, or 3.7% of the population, dress as vampires for Halloween. It's wow. second only behind witches. No kidding. Witches are still popular. Witches wow. are like mm-hmm. 10 million people. So it's not even a close second, but it's second. And then I was just, I mean, you talk about like commercialization of vampires. Everybody had the the little plastic teeth. Oh, you know, yeah, yeah, I think we still and see them every single year. I, I've got <laughs> some in my junk drawer. I yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean... <laughs> And vampire makeup. And, I mean, a lot of people dress as vampires. I was just in Louisville, and at the Louisville Slugger, I didn't say it right, because when you say Louisville Slugger, it sounds weird. The Louisville Slugger Museum, they have the largest vampire stake ever made. It's eight feet tall. It's wild. It's gigantic. But they have it. And it's there year-round. It's not just for Halloween. I mean, they went to the effort of making the world's largest vampire stake. Mm -hmm. Just in case. Just in case. Just in Mm -hmm. case. You don't like baseball? We got vampire stuff. You know, yeah. how about you go hunt some vampires? Honestly, yeah. that, that would bring so, me in. That would bring yeah. me in. Right? Yeah. And I just happened upon it. I had some other people there, and they're like, oh, I love baseball. I'd love to see the museum. I'm walking around. I'm like, oh. So we'll add a picture and post. Grant will throw that in there because it, it's impressive. Yeah. But I'm like, how bizarre and how timely because I knew we were doing vampires. Right, and I'm right. like, this is perfect. Yes. But it was just, it's people love their vampires. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm not a big 
vampire guy, although like Billy Bob Thornton and Angelina Jolie drank each other's blood, <laughs> right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. There's some odd it's, stuff it's, out there. It's <laughs> some sort of weird, like, now you're me, I'm you, this mm -hmm. love thing. And I get love, but I don't mm -hmm. get consuming other people's no. blood. No, don't do it, folks. No. Do not do that at all. And so then I started kind of doing some other research on like vampire bats. And I think that the rabies thing has mm -hmm. a lot to do with it because they get a bite from a bat while they would be sleeping and then they would go mm -hmm. crazy. Yeah. Well, it was probably rabies. just rabies. Yep. And so these people would act weird and do weird things. And attack people, others. Attack others. People would think that they're dead and then all of a sudden they'd be back again. Yep. And so drive a stake through their heart. Like that's not gonna keep anything down. I mean, like that's the that's the... I'm pretty sure I just watched Grant get spooked by a bug over there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not a vampire. You're talking about vampires. He's got him on edge. But I always thought that that was so funny because like at least like with werewolves, it's like it has to be a silver bullet, not just a bullet, but mm. a bullet of mm -hmm. any kind is probably gonna put you down. But to say, okay, we gotta drive a stake through their heart. Well, yeah. That's gonna keep anything down. It's right? gonna kill I mean, anyone. You're, you're yeah. Driving a stake through their heart. Mm -hmm. This is just kind of weird. But anyway, vampires, man, people love them for whatever reason. And it's a massive money making industry. Oh yeah. Uh, I can remember uh, when I was a teenager, Interview with a Vampire came. Oh out. man. Uh, <laughs> based off of the Amazing. writings of Anne Rice, yep. and every single girl that I knew. Would watch I'm that thing on repeat. <laughs> I'm it, one of them. It's just, it's that romance. It's eternal no, youth. It, it is, it's that, but it's also Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise. Yeah, 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 yeah. Pretty easy. Yep. You throw a little and Antonio Banderas. Yeah, oh, man, I mean, what a cast. You throw the heartthrobs in there, and it's going to, it doesn't matter if it's, if they look like, what, the guy from the Munsters, Fred. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. It's going to draw. It's yeah. romance. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. The thing is, even with the popularity of that type of vampire, when you picture Dracula, you picture Bela Lugosi. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, oh, yeah, and his speaking mannerisms and all that, that is Dracula. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. I like the classic image, the cape, the pale skin, yeah. uh, you know, his eyes. Man, that it, he was a great actor, uh -huh. you know. And I think that was, and correct me if I'm wrong, maybe uh, Nosferatu, though. I think Nosferatu was before that, wasn't yeah. it? Yes, yeah. it was. Because that was a silent mm -hmm. movie. Mm -hmm. And when I was a little kid, that's the vampire that scared me. You know, even as a, as a little, little kid, I would see, you know, the black and white traditional Dracula. But by then, you'd kind of seen it in, in other media so much that it was no longer scary. Right. Mm -hmm. Nosferatu did not look human. Yeah, that was the darker that side. That was scary. Sure. Yeah. And, and just the cinematography in that film this the the shape of him going up the stairs yes. mm -hmm. the way that he mm -hmm. would move so fluid without moving his legs you know it was just it's so creepy yeah to me nosferatu was the vampire mm -hmm. yeah it was the 90s movie that kind of blended those two together mm -hmm. kind of had the the, the, the gentleman that was attractive, but then he could change into this otherworldly mm -hmm. creature and yeah. float around. Yeah, Bram Stoker's Dracula, yeah. Francis yeah. Uh, Coppola. Or, yep. yep. And oh, man. Um, yeah, people fell in love with Gary Oldman. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah. 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 Right. Lord, did I. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, but it, what a, you know, they did a great job. That's absolutely beautiful. And Sir Anthony Hopkins is amazing in <laughs> yes. this film. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. Now, we actually started talking about what's Steve going to do in this one, because we all know <laughs> vampires aren't real, right? Right. I, I'm even on board with vampires aren't real. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. If even I'm you. on board yeah. with this, yeah. there, there's no debunking to do here. <laughs> but there are areas where they believe it's very real and there have well, been yeah. some strange things occurring uh like blood diseases yeah there's definite scientific basis for a lot of the vampire legends uh, in addition to the actual person um blood diseases of course the whole thing is based around blood right mm -hmm. so um peripheria is a blood disease that causes the body to produce less heme which is a critical component in hemoglobin uh, the protein in red blood cells that carries oxygen from the lungs to the body tissues. And this one disease checks a lot of the vampire boxes. When you look at the symptoms of it, uh, extreme sensitivity to light is one of them. Uh, receding gums is one. Oh, Anything but that. Growing fangs. Oh. Yeah, the yeah. fangs. Um, that would make your canines look huge, yeah, wouldn't and, it? And, uh, yeah, that would obviously be a fang-type symptom, right? Uh, your urine becomes dark and red. So, of course, that's because they're drinking blood, They're right? drinking blood, so they're peeing blood. Yeah. yeah. And in fact, I think one of the prescriptions for this back in those days was to drink blood because they thought, well, you got something wrong with your blood. If you drink some other blood, and it'll, uh, it'll, it'll go it. back in your yeah, body. Yeah. Wow. Wash it out. Oh my gosh. And wow. So if you think about it, you have these people that are sensitive to light. So they're not going out during the day. They're going out at night. They got to find blood, right? I mean, that kind of all ties into it. That's that's a vampire. Yeah. Uh, then there's more, like the the garlic, the aversion to garlic, uh, the sulfur content in garlic can aggravate porphyria and cause acute pain. And so they would be like, yeah, no, have a version to garlic. Really? So like even being around garlic, like touching it would actually cause. Yeah. Wow. The, yeah, the exposure to it would, uh, would actually trigger that in your system. Wild. That um, is wild. The inability to see reflections. I mean, this is a bit of a stretch, but one of these symptoms is facial disfigurement, blackened skin, growing hair. You just wouldn't want to see yourself. So you don't want to go near the mirror. Yeah. So you would have hear that. And then. A fear of the crucifix also can be attached to this because during the Spanish Inquisition, a lot of vampires were burned at the stake. Well, a lot of these people were suffering from this blood disease. And so if you had this, mm -hmm. you know, this, you would uh, avoid the, the Christian the Christian church. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so the, the Nosferatu term could have possibly originated around that time as a corruption of a Romanian term meaning uh, unclean one. And then also a Greek term meaning plague bearer. So. Oh, wow. The kind of, I think the Nosforos is the Greek term, and then Nukaratul is the uh, Romanian term. They all kind of, you know, all that mm -hmm. stuff gets morphed and corrupted right. and kind of changed into, because Nosferatu, I don't think, is actually a, a Romanian word, at least not traced back before it appeared in the literature for vampires. Um, there is also an 18th century vampire epidemic where vampires suddenly appeared in large numbers for unknown reasons all throughout Eastern Europe. Now, part of this was just misinterpretations of the process of decomposition, like you were talking mm -hmm. about, where people were digging these bodies up, hoping it would stop the spread of the disease, and they're seeing all this evidence of, you know, stuff going on. And so the hysteria could just, you know, build from that. But, you know, where there was the perception of one vampire, then many deaths would often follow. So, obviously, there was something actually causing deaths to occur. Mm -hmm. And when you look at what was going on around that time, there are two diseases, the the one I was talking about was only classified about eight years before Bram Stoker's book came out, which is not a whole lot of time for that to yeah. develop into a legend to be, uh, you know, incorporated into that. So that probably, even though it does check a lot of the boxes, probably wasn't much of an influence on that. 
Um, pellagra is one of diseases that cause, is caused by an imbalance in niacin and tryptophan, and it causes a variety of symptoms, including sensitivity to sunlight, uh, which would cause people to, you know, turn white, you know, whiter skin because yeah, because you're not going out in the sun. Yeah, you're right. not getting any sun exposure. And and in a time when everybody was outside working the farm, everybody was probably a lot more tan. Right. And yeah. the dirt. And the dirt. And the dirt. Yeah. They were yeah. just dirty. Yeah, bats <laughs> yeah. weren't common. The combination yeah. of those things. Yeah. Yeah. So they would have this corpse-like appearance compared to the average person. Uh, and there are several other things like uh, a foul breath and that kind of stuff that would be linked with vampire folklore, uh, but that disease didn't really exist in that region until the 18th century, so that's kind of late also. Um, what we were talking about earlier, rabies, is probably more likely an explanation uh, because of the symptoms of, you know, the, the way the behavior changes, uh, the way it's spread through biting. Uh, wolves also can spread rabies. Yeah, and, and we're so, a lot more common back then. And yeah. there's also, you know, the idea that the vampire can change into a wolf. There's the bat, and the wolf is another one. Uh, victims often would avoid sunlight, and they can also be repelled by strong odors like stuff from garlic. So uh, rabies is as as more romantic as porphyria is. Uh, <laughs> rabies is probably more likely right. the disease that actually can be traced back to where those legends started. And again, you know, it's natural, common, occurring phenomena that has a scientific or medical link that we can't explain at the time. Mm -hmm. So... Yep. We do our best because, you know, we're thinking, well, I don't want my family to fall victim to whatever's going on. So I got to blame something. I got to blame someone. And the masses have got their pitchforks and their torches ready to go. So let's just go burn a body. You know, <laughs> let's just go dig something up and just be done with it. Yeah, I think when you're in a thing like that where people are dying and there's hysteria involved, mm -hmm. Uh, you don't necessarily think totally rationally about that stuff, too, because you're in a kind of a panic state. Fear does and, a lot of stuff. Man. And we need to have an explanation. We need an answer. And if science can't provide it, we're going to find it somewhere else. Mm -hmm. and I think it totally, all of that stuff gets blended together. Vlad the Impaler gets worked into it, and then you end up having the modern mm -hmm. modern Dracula. And I had, I had read a theory about that, that, like, royalty back then, back then, <laughs> wouldn't happen today, was very incestual. Yeah. And one yes. of the one of the problems with that was they were becoming more and more if they were hemophiliacs that was being passed down. Right. So if they got cut, they would bleed a lot more. So they ended up like drinking blood mm -hmm. to try and rejuvenate their own blood. Yeah. And yeah. that's why yeah. Vlad the Impaler, being a royalty, it was theorized that he was a hemophiliac. As and well. porphyria was kind of common among the nobility around that time, and it's an inherited disease. So so then your son it, would get it, yep. your daughter would get right. it, and they would pass it on. If those bloodlines yeah. are kind of narrow, it's going to get passed along pretty readily. So Yeah. You know, there's a lot of different things uh, occurring in the world, and the vampire or the idea of vampires checking all the boxes gave us a villain we could blame everything on mm -hmm. right like you were talking about in a state of panic and and you've got these you know peasants and 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 these farm workers are looking for answers from royalty uh who you know sorry but just as ignorant as everybody else <laughs> right. at the time <laughs> yeah so let's just go ahead and find something to blame it on and vampires were awful convenient and they've just kind of come with us They've gone into modern media. 
they've gone into just about every single medium on the face of the planet. There are comic books, there's novels, there's more movies than I care to count. And even Marvel Studios began with a vampire hunter. A lot right? of people yes. don't understand this. That's but right. true. Yeah. Blade, portrayed by Wesley Snipes, is officially the first Marvel Studios movie. And that kept the studio alive long enough to produce what they can produce now. Because <laughs> uh, I think there was three iterations of Blade. Again, it's a vampire. Right. It's a vampire hunting other vampires. Well, it's even morphed into like kids' versions, like The Count on uh, Sesame Street. The Count Street. on Sesame yeah. Street, yeah. Right. Love that guy. And everyone's just okay with it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Grandpa. Yeah. They tend to forget about him. <laughs> yeah. But to, I mean, yeah, it's comedy. It's it's little kids and everyone's just they just turn a blind eye to the count on yeah. Sesame Street, you know. There's <laughs> well, you know, Muppet goes missing every once in a while. <laughs> kind of let it fly cuz it's he, worth it cuz he teaches the kids. He good does stuff. know his numbers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just don't find mathematicians lying around, all right? So you got to take what you can get. It's kind of like uh, Vlad the Impaler. You look the other way on the bad uh, stuff because he's, he's getting right, the yep, job done. Ex ex and he can count. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Obviously, he gave great numbers here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in total. I wonder if that, that's just a weird sidebar, but maybe is that where the count came from? Oh, my gosh. That he can For count. Sesame Street. I maybe mean, he was meticulous with his numbers. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, he was very detailed. Yeah, I mean, he kept around track. the forest mm -hmm. of death going, one, two. <laughs> How I many would... did I kill today? <laughs> right. Ah, ah, ah. I'd like to get what inside Jim Henson's pole. head yeah. and find out if that isn't where he came from. Uh, yeah. It could be more innocent than that, though. Count Dracula. I know. Counting. I know. It but could the, just hey, be more innocent I'm than that. I'm just tying it together, man. <laughs> you realize by the time uh, they got everything totaled, historians figure about 80,000 people met their fate that way at the hands or the orders. You've got to be awfully impaling. efficient at doing that because wow. just the amount of time it would take to impale one person. That's why he I mean, had to impale animals. Yeah, so you got to keep, keep up on your skills. Yeah. yeah. It's just incredible. The, like, everyone might not know this because modern mass media really puts the worst things forward. And, and maybe it's, you know, with the war going on right now, a uh, couple different wars going on right now, really might not seem like it. But the world is a much more civilized, mm -hmm. much safer place than it was in the past by leaps and bounds. And I, I know it seems like it's not, but it really is. Uh, you know, when you had rulers who could just go out and say, I'm going to take that farm boy, he's going to be my servant, there's nothing you can do about it. You know, yeah, it doesn't happen very often anymore. Does it happen? Sure. I'm not, yeah, you got it. It does. Unfortunately, it does. Uh, but not as often as it used to. But uh, The Legend of the Vampire... It's kind of been with us for a really long time. And if if we knew more prehistory, I'm pretty sure that even, you know, some of the ancient societies probably had something very similar. I don't know why it sticks with us the way that it does. Why do we, you know, dress up like it every Halloween? Why do we celebrate this monster in the night, stalking, drinking your blood? Why do we romanticize this thing? 
What is the appeal? I Gary just... Oldman, that's why. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, the, uh, yeah. And Bela Lugosi. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it went it went from being something that's horrifying. You know, I mean, Vlad was horrifying. Yeah. To fast forward to now, and it's like, oh, vampire, cool. You know, I mean, it's it's fun. It's I don't think a lot of people they think Bella Lugosi. Mm-hmm. They think you know. Mm-hmm. I think Kate Beckinsale. Right. Okay. okay. Yeah. I'm. I can get on board with Underworld. That. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's it's people don't maybe know the history actually of what yeah. the vampire that Vlad was kind of the original vampire. So when you don't know your history, you go, hey, I'm going to be a vampire for yeah. Halloween. And, and it's one of the it's cool. And it's one of the luxuries of, of living in the modern time where it is more removed from right. that. You you don't do the Halloween right. traditions in legitimate fear like you used to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, now it's just fun. Yeah. So you're, you're more removed from the, the harsh realities that originated a lot of these. But things. now I'm thinking about going as Vlad the Impaler <laughs> and carrying a pike around. I'll tell you what, man. He did look like a baddie. If you look at the paintings that we have, oh, which I creepy. think there's like one one good one like that we have, that is some facial hair, boy. Yeah, man, he had a nice stash. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but he is like honestly, I mean, there's statues of him. Mm-hmm. He's celebrated as someone who helped defend the Christian world, and of course, he's vilified. Uh, it's it's one of those situations where it's like, you know. Uh, this person sees him as that. That person sees him as this. But he's stuck with us all throughout history. And maybe it's the cruelty. Uh, it's probably the cruelty. It could yeah. be the cruelty. Because yeah. how many individuals can you name from that time period and their battles? He's the only uh, one. Yeah, really. there yeah. aren't any others, yeah. really. But everybody knows. Genghis Khan-ish yeah. type, yeah. right? Yeah. Legendary, yeah. Yeah. But everybody knows Vlad. Yep. So it's pretty interesting. Anybody else? You want the last word on this one? Since uh, no way. <laughs> <laughs> nope, I'm falling asleep over here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, How are your that's feet not doing? good. Yeah. But <laughs> no. there's still no feeling in the toes. Aaron, you take the last word on vampires. Last word on vampires is they're a money-making machine. We love them. We love the romanticization of them. We love the story behind them. I don't think a lot of people know that story <laughs> of Vlad. Right. Um, but it's just, you know, indoctrination <laughs> yeah. for the kids. You know, I mean, with with the whole Twilight series, and the be just yeah, being so romanticized and such a money maker. But hopefully, it gets people going. Oh, cool! Vampires, werewolves, ghosts, goblins, aliens opens people's minds. Mm-hmm. Let's listen to Jackalopes. <laughs> All right, everything. Comes... Shameless plug. <laughs> yep. Exactly. <laughs> Everything comes from something. Right. And, uh, yeah, Vlad was a heck, heck of a guy. <laughs> You've been listening to Jackalopes Explore.